Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. We are in part three of a series that we have called The B-List, where we are looking at some unknown figures that have practiced some unbelievable faith. And it's been fun just looking at some characters that hopefully you've never heard of in the Bible before. And um, so if you have your notes, you can pull them out today. If you're not on our app, you can download the Radiant Church app and uh, you can follow along on our sermon notes. You can email those notes to yourself right after. You can email them to a friend. It's a way to stay connected, but show some love in the chat too. If you're watching this online, we love you guys. We love our online audience. We're gonna look at a story today in the book of 2 Timothy, but before I give you the passage, let me give you a little bit of background. We're gonna talk about some mamas today that impacted the world. So I thought it would be fun as we're talking about some parents and some people, and by the way, if you're not a parent, this message is still for you. But um, as I thought about it, I did a little research, and I thought about some of the parents that drive us all a little nuts. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of uh, talk about it for a few minutes today. And maybe you fall into one of these categories. So don't get offended. We're not laughing at you. Well, we kind of are, but, um, <laughs> but, but we're just having fun today. So are you with me? Say yes. All right, all right. How many know the crafty parent? You know the crafty parent? Like they don't buy stuff on Amazon. They make it all themselves. Like, like it's, you're the dad that like built, built your kids like playground yourself with like, you know, some, a hammer and some popsicle sticks. I'm like, how do you do that? You came to church today. All your kids have matching clothes that you made from like an old bedspread at your house. Your Instagram is you with like holding a baby in one arm, a glue stick in the other arm, like glue gun in the other arm. Like that's your life. You're the crafty parent. You, you overwhelm us. Here's the second one. The super parent. How many of the super parents that are out there? That you're a super parent if you've accomplished more this morning by 8 a.m. than the rest of us accomplish in a week. Y'all know these super parents. Like they never run out of energy. They build their children's science uh, projects last minute. They immaculately clean their homes. They plan an environmental field trip. They cook a gourmet dinner. They teach their kids Mandarin, all while working an amazing job and going to the gym two hours a day. Super parents, you exhaust us. You exhaust us. All right, number three. Now, now, let me not offend anybody. We love you guys. But how many are in here? You're our pet parents. Come on. I've seen you guys. Pet parents. You're a pet parent if you use the term fur baby. It's weird. You're really extreme if you have an Instagram account for your pet. You know who you are. And you have captions like, my life was changed the day I met you. It's a dog. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It, 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 you're a proud parent. I get who you are. Here's a, the fourth one. The fourth one is the, the better parent. I don't know if you know the better parent. The better parent is the expert parent. They, you know, they, they, they read something online. They saw something on social media. They read two chapters of a parenting book and they've got it all figured out and they're willing to tell you all the ways you should be parenting better. We all know those people, better parents. Keep your advice to yourself. The cool parent. I'm, I'm not the cool parent. I, I've seen some of you cool parents. Y'all, y'all are like the parents that everybody's like, are y'all like siblings? Like y'all are like, you're the cool mom, the cool dad. You got the cool mom jeans and, and you drive. you're the only ones that can make a minivan look cool. You're the cool parents. Like, like if Target and Starbucks had a human baby, it would be you. <laughs> Trendy, just right amount of comfort. You're cool. 
Cool. We got, we got a lot of different kind of parents, but what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the, the mom and the grandmother of somebody who is really a, a, a man that ended up changing the whole world. His name is Timothy. So before I give you who the B-list people are from the day, let me tell you who Timothy was. Timothy was one of Paul's companions. He would go on to travel around with Paul, the great apostle, all around. He would help start a bunch of churches. We, we know a lot about Timothy's life because Paul was very specific to write different letters to Timothy. So if you read the Bible, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, were not written by Timothy, they're written to Timothy by his spiritual father, this guy, Paul. We know that Timothy was young, and we know this because Paul even told him, like, don't let people look down on you because you're young. And we know he was educated. Paul says, listen, you need to continue to study to show thyself approved. Like, you're an educated young guy. And then we know that he was gifted. Paul said to, the, to Timothy, listen, fan into flame the gift of God that's inside of you. So we have a young, educated, gifted man who would go on, and church history would tell us, he would change the world. We have a guy who would become now the bishop of the church of Ephesus, and later in his life, he would be martyred for his faith, for standing for doctrine. Timothy changed the world. But I want to present to you today that the key to Timothy's success had little to do with Timothy and even had little to do with Paul, but had to do with some B-list characters that I'm going to present to you today that I believe will give you a lot of hope. Second Timothy chapter one, we're going to see their names in verse five, the only verse for the day. Normally we read like a large passage of scripture. Today we got one verse and I want you to see it. It says, I have been reminded, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Paul telling Timothy, I see your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm persuaded it now lives in you also. You might have missed it, so let me show it to you right there. You have faith, but the faith first lived in your grandmother. Then it lived in your mother, and now it lives in you. I want to encourage some people today with what I believe is a generational impact that can be made from your life, from the story of our B-list characters, Lois and Eunice. And I've titled today's message today, Faith for Your Family. Faith for your family. I don't know where you're at today, but I believe God's brought you to church today because you have some family member. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's an aunt or uncle, a sibling, a child, a stepchild, a grandchild, that they're far from God. And I want you to know, God is gonna raise up some faith in here today to raise up some Loises and Eunices that can change the world in Jesus' name. Oh, give them better praise than that today, church. I love this story because it's a pattern throughout history that I want to see as a pattern in your life. Remember at the very beginning, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, the son, and Jacob, the grandson. It didn't just be, it wasn't just the God of Abraham, but there's something that happens when you learn to experience faith and then pass it down generation after generation after generation. I wrote it down this way, ready? Your faith is personal, but it's never meant to be private. And there's a lot of people that don't understand the why behind why you've been experiencing faith and growth and life change through the gospel. It's that it happened to you so that it could happen through you to make an impact in the generations to come. And I want to stir a little bit of the faith in here today 
for some people that say, I don't know if I can ever do anything significant for God. The most significant thing you might do for God might not be a message you preach. It might be a child you raise. And I'm going to encourage some parents today, some grandparents today, some spiritual parents today, some young people today to believe God for some faith in your family. But before I give you some practical ways to do that, let me just address the real important idea in this passage that the heroes of the faith were women. And that's a big deal because in a culture that for sometimes hundreds and hundreds of years has suppressed women from being all that God's called them to be, we can look back 2,000 years and take pride in our faith that our faith has always been a faith that has celebrated the call of God on women's lives. And I, I, I said it this way, and I think it's so important. If a woman can birth Jesus, she can preach Jesus. I hear a better amen than that today, church. So a lot of you guys might be from backgrounds where women have not been celebrated. And I want you to know, that's not the case at Radiant Church. We celebrate the gift of God with women. Jesus did this, by the way. The first evangelist that Jesus sent out to go impact and tell the world was the woman at the well. The first person, he said, now go tell the city, was a woman. This is a big deal. The first people that he, told, that he appeared to after he rose from the dead was, guess what? Women. Why? He knew if they knew, they're going to tell everybody. So then there's a teaching because of some misunderstood writings that Paul wrote where people have misunderstood and misinterpreted them that they go, well, the church has suppressed women in leadership. And that's, that's, that's a very recent thing. That is not a church history thing. You see, even in the New Testament, let me give you a couple examples. In the New Testament, there was a girl in it by the name of Junia, J-U-N-I-A. You might not have ever heard of her life. Junia, we hear in the very first century, she's written about in the Bible, was an apostle. An apostle. You got the highest level of church leadership, and Paul calls her an apostle. Throughout a few hundred years ago, people were so mad that a woman would be called an apostle, and the scriptures, they actually changed her name from a female form to a male form. And then when, when church scholars caught on to what they were doing, they, they realized, they're like, no, 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 the original manuscripts, this is a woman that was called an apostle from God. That's a big deal. Let me give you a couple other ones. We have Priscilla in the Bible who was a pastor and a teacher of God's word, co-worker with Paul. You have Phoebe in Romans 16 was a deacon, a leader who, by the way, if you go, well, a woman can't speak to a man, Paul himself said, Phoebe has poured into my life. You have a woman who poured into the Paul, the most important apostle in the history of mankind. Women are valuable in the kingdom of God. So let me just encourage some people here today. If you feel like you've been overlooked or you feel like you got a second-rate Christianity, let me clear the air. The same Holy Spirit that fell on both men and women can fall on you, be used by you, and you can change the world if you're a woman. Come on, give them better praise, church. All right, so we have two ladies who end up changing the world, and I'm going to show you their story and how they did it and get very, very, very practical of how we made this happen. He says it like this. I am reminded of your sincere faith. It first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then in Eunice, and I'm persuaded it lives in you also. Number one, write it down in your notes. You want to have faith for your family. Number one, great faith means 
choosing to be sincere instead of putting on a show. Can I just encourage some people here today? You want your faith to impact your, your, your family member who's far from God? You got to get to a place where you're not trying to put on a show because a lot of people are really good at acting like a Christian instead of being one. And in that, listen, you acting like you're going to be a Christian, it's not going to impact the generations to come. Hey, let me just say it this way. You can fool me. You can fool all of us. You show up here, you're like, hey, pastor, hey, bless the Lord. <laughs> that, that might fool all of us. Let me tell you, it's not fooling. It's not fooling the kids that are in that car with you. There's people in your home. They can spot a fake. And there's one thing that I know about this generation is that they can spot what's fake. Now, we have some major supply chain issues that are happening in our world today. So a lot of you guys are thinking about Christmas. And so I wanted to help you as your pastor because there's a lot of fake things out there today. So I, I want to help you to understand because your kids can spot a fake that when you're buying Christmas presents, make sure you don't buy any of these. Like I found this one online. Make sure you don't buy it. This is from the Revengers, Okay. This, this is an incredible fella right there. He just, it's not the same. Your kids will see through it, okay? I just want you to know. Like, I know, it's a, I know the supply chain's tough, but don't buy that. Um, some of you guys, it's the gaming system, and I know they're having all the issues with all the chips and getting the right gaming system in, but they're selling this one, but don't buy it. Don't buy, don't buy the video same game system, X-Boy. X-Boy's not okay. Okay, so that's not the video game system. And then I know with like, you're trying to cook your, your Christmas dishes and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a lot of supply chain issues in our grocery stores. But I found this one. I just want you to know it's not real. So this is, I think it tastes like butter. I think, I think it's there. That's, that's funny right there. What did, what did Paul say about Timothy? He says, I see that you have sincere faith. Here's what sincere is. Ready? Write it down. It means without hypocrisy. It's without hypocrisy. It's an idea going, you know what? I'm going to be who God has called me to be. I'm not going to be one way at church and one way at work and one way at home. You want a faith that is for your family, then be the real deal at all times and in all places. This is so important that we learn to have sincere faith. Let me give you some um, keys to this that are right there in your notes. One is just simply focus on progress and not on perfection. Yes. So many people are going, well, Aaron, I can't be perfect. Your family does not expect you to be perfect, but they expect you to keep getting better. And what I love about my parents, the example that they set, is that they always set an example that, uh, listen, I'm not competing against anybody else except for myself and who I was a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. And we're going to work on progress. We're going to talk about how we're constantly getting better. We're going to talk about how we're in foundations and we're in our group and we're reading scripture. Why? Because I know I'm not going to be perfect, but as your parent, as your friend, as your spouse, I want you to see that God who started a work in me will be faithful to work it out in my life. You're going to see progress because my faith is sincere. Here's another one. Ready? You want to really go to the next level? Admit you when you're wrong. What a sincere faith right there. Sincere faith. You know why? We have this idea that we have to put on a front, like as parents, that we never make mistakes. Your kids know you make a lot of mistakes. One of the most crucial moments, I'm telling you, better than any message I ever heard preach, was moments where my parents would call us into the room and go, hey, we just want to apologize. We were having dinner tonight, and we started talking about so-and-so and so-and-so. That was gossip. We shouldn't have been gossiping about that person. 
Don't, I don't need to hear a message on, 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 on why we don't gossip. I saw it in my parents. I saw the attitude of my parents going, no, no, in our house, we're going to admit when we're wrong. We're going to talk about how we're going to get better. We're going to be like Jesus. The Bible says humility comes before honor. You want to be honored in your family's eyes? Stop walking around all prideful like you got it all together. Admit when you're wrong. Admit that you're a broken vessel and in your weakness. God's made strong through you, church. It'll happen. Here's, here's a third one. How do you have sincere faith? You just got to be honest. Honest about doubts and concerns. Is your home a place where you can really wrestle with the tough parts of our faith, the tough scriptures, the tough things that you're going to read. And here's why. Parents, I want you to get this. If they're not talking to you about it, they're eventually going to talk to somebody else about it in college. They're going to listen to some professor about it or some friend about it. And whoever spends the most time will always win. So parents, I want to be that person to my kids that we have an open dialogue about our faith. We're able to doubt. We're able to wrestle. We're able to work through things. We're able to research. We're going to go through foundations together. We're going to talk about this stuff together because the home is established as a place. We're going to have sincere faith at the Burke house, and I think you need it in your house also. And, and here's why. Write it down. It's not in your notes, but if you want to write something down, this is your tweetable moment. Ready? Because God won't bless who you pretend to be. And a lot of you guys are putting on a show going, man, it's so cool. You know, look who I am. But your family knows who you really are. Be the real deal. Be a person of faith. Don't put on a front and watch how God will bless it. And by the way, it'll pass down from generation to generation to generation, your sincere faith. Can I hear a good amen today, church? Verse 5, let's look at it one more time. And it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And then he says, it's your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Now, this is important because this is really hopefully going to help some people in here today. Number two, great faith often means being the first. I don't like being first. I don't like it. My brother and I, we were in India a few years back, and we, were on, we had some time to kill before a flight, so we went to this mall. We'd exhausted all the shops. We'd walked around for hours. We'd still had time to kill. And on the very top of the mall, they had like this one of those dark houses, like, you know, you're going to walk through and it's all dark and people are going to jump out at you and scream at you. I don't like those kind of things. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go with my brother and I'm going to do what any good brother would do. He's going first. He's going first. I don't know what's allowed and what's legal in India. So, I mean, they might be able to hit you there. I don't know what it is. So for, for me, I'm going to let him experience it first. Like, I remember walking behind this guy. He's like 6'4", is my brother. And I'm walking behind him, just like crouching down, going, if anything bad's going to happen, let it happen to him first. We have these ideas that, man, going first is, is tough. Going first is, is a burden. Let me just tell you, it might be a burden for you to be first, but it's always a blessing for the generations to come. Let me give you a good example, the iPhone. Okay, I'm a big iPhone fan. And the iPhone, I remember when the very first iPhone came out, 2007. And it was, it was almost a joke. It was cool. It was cutting edge. But nobody wanted to buy it. It was one of those, like, you got and you're like, this, thing, this thing's going to be tough. I actually didn't buy that one. I was like, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I don't want to be the first. I'll try it. I'll, I'll see what happens. And I'll wait for the next generation to come. Well, I did a little research. Since the first iPhone, there's now been 33 different phones that have come out. 13 different models, 33 different items. 33. You would never have number 33 if you didn't have the first one to go. 
And so I want to encourage some people at Radiant today that you feel frustrated because you're the first. I want you to know you might be the first to get saved, the first to join the church, the first to get baptized, the first to raise your kids in the church, the first to serve, the first to give. But let me tell you, you might be the first, but you're not going to be the last. If you will take on the responsibility as a first, God can use your life to impact generations to come. And, and I, love, I love my parents' story because they weren't perfect, but they had so much progress. And if you go back, we went back in our family history, decades and decades, generations and generations, we could not find a Bible-believing Christian in our family before my parents. Wow. Not one. My parents were in, my, well, my mom was getting her, um, phys, uh, finishing up her physical therapy degree in uh, Mississippi. She got invited by a, uh, a neighbor to an old Baptist church revival. And her and my dad were sitting there in the back of the thing, and they both got up at the same time and walked towards the fund and gave their life to the Lord. And that one moment, they were the first one. Then they moved to Baton Rouge, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, got, their life got totally transformed. It changed their whole life. And I remember, you hear stories like that and how tough it was. People wouldn't talk to them in the family. They thought they had gone into some weird cult. And they thought, some of y'all know this world. They're going, you're going to that place? Like, it's too loud. It's too weird. That's not real church. Where's the stained glass? Like, all of those moments. And, and they were ridiculed, ridiculed, ridiculed. But they were the first. They just weren't the last. Because then my grandmother got saved. And then all of their kids got saved and their kids are following the Lord. And now their grandkids are giving their life to the Lord. And now all of their siblings have come to know the Lord and their cousins. And now a vast majority of that of my family is following the Lord. Why? Because someone said, I'm not going to look at the first as being a burden. I'm going to take it on as a blessing. Because if it starts with me, it can continue with me to generations to come. So Lois, I know it's tough being the first. I know nobody understands it, but be faithful to God. Be sincere in your faith and watch how it'll impact your family. I, I love stories. All throughout the Bible, we hear this story of people who got saved and then they experienced household salvation. Household salvation. There's a guy named Cornelius who was a Roman guard and he was, he was a high up Roman soldier and Cornelius ended up giving his life to the Lord. And the Bible then says that then Cornelius and all of his family got baptized. All of his family. I love that. The jailer, when Paul and Silas were in jail, y'all remember that story? And the jailer then sits there and sees the miraculous and sees the jail door open. And he turns to them and says, what do I need to do? And Paul tells him, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus. He says, and you will be saved. And then he says it this way, you're going to be saved. And guess what? You and your household. Now, that can be misinterpreted to say that Paul, that guy's salvation covered the rest of his household. No, what he was saying is, it's going to start with you, and then it's going to flow through the rest of your house. It's get, you're going to be the first. The Bible says that the jailer brought them into his home, and he set a meal before them. By the way, who did, they bring, who did he bring to his home? The people of faith. One of the greatest things you can do as a parent is to bring faith into your home. Bring it, don't make it a Sunday thing. Make it a life thing. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I just want to declare it over somebody today. You're watching at the Brandon location. You're there at Heights, and you're the first one. Your parents aren't attending. Your friends aren't attending. Your, your, your kids aren't attending. Nobody else gets in, but God's changed your life. I want you to know you're setting up a legacy for generations to come. Keep going after it. I'm telling you, it'll start with you. 
And we have to change our perspective of this, ready? Because we have to change our idea saying this statement, it's tough being first. We get it. We all understand it's tough being first. It's tough being the first one in. Man, people don't, they're gonna misjudge you. They're gonna be frustrated with you. It's tough. But you need to change that wording from it's tough being first to change it to thank God for trusting me so much. Can you believe it? Lois, he trusted you. He trusted you to bring it to Eunice and then to, Paul, to Timothy, and it would go on to change the world, but it started with one person who goes, you know what? I don't know why I'm in this church and I'm the only one in my family, but guess what? Thank you, God, for trusting me to let it start with me. This faith didn't just stop with me. It started with me, and it's gonna be carried on to generations to come. Can I hear a good amen today, church? All right, number three, look at this. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. We talked about that. Make that faith sincere. And it first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then into Eunice, and now I'm persuaded it lives into you also. Number three, and we'll close with this one, is that simply since great faith might start with you, but it should never stop with you. It should never stop with you. If God did it in you, you gotta be very intentional about passing this on to generations. So you can imagine Lois. Lois is probably one of the very first followers of Jesus ever. You gotta think Christianity has just been, Jesus had just died rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And this is a few decades later. And now we hear the story of Lois. Lois gives her life to the Lord. And can you imagine she's training up Eunice? I don't know if you have a daughter named Eunice, but you know she's sassy. You know Eunice's preteen years were tough. Come on. So I'm, well, I want to go to the Coliseum with all my friends. Lois, everybody's going. Don't call me Lois. I'm your mama. And speak respectfully. No, 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 we're Christians. I don't even know what a Christian is. No, our family's Christians. We don't do this. We don't, we don't do the things the rest of the world does. Well, it's unfair. And finally, one day, Lois has an encounter with, I mean, Eunice has an encounter with God. And the faith that she saw so real in her mom eventually clicked and went with her. And then one day, Eunice walks into the room and talks to Lois and says, Mama, I met a boy. He's a Christian too. We're going to get married and at that moment. And every parent and grandparent knows it. That's how that happened. Lois looked at her, mom, at her daughter and says, oh, that's so wonderful. And then she walked into the other room and goes, wow, it finally worked. It worked. Finally paid off. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. They had that little wedding a few years later. Mom, pregnant. And little Timothy's coming. Little did she know that the faith that started with her would be passed on to her daughter and would be passed on to her grandson. Because this is honestly, man, this is the heartbeat of what I want to get across today. Because I want you to understand your greatest legacy will not be something that you build, but it'll be who you raise. And I don't think we understand how important it is who God has put in our hands in these moments to raise them up in the faith. 
And, and I know what you're building is important. I know the business. I know, I know the 401k. I know the Instagram followers. All of that, great, all important. None of it will matter as much as the legacy you leave behind and your grandkids and your great-grandkids and those after you. Are you passing faith down to the next generation? And, and let me just challenge you. Let me give you a couple ways of making this happen that we do with our family, and we're working hard at this because I, don't, I can lose in a lot of ways. I can't lose with my kids. I can't. It's too valuable of a thing that God's put on our assignment on our lives. So let me give you a couple of them. How do you develop a family of faith? Is our family prays together. We grab hands every single day and we try to pray together. We pray before meals. We pray before we go on a road trip. We drive by an ambulance and on the side of the road and there's a car wreck. We pray for that person. We establish an environment that our family prays because God is not somebody that we visit on a Sunday at church. God is our Lord and our Savior who we totally have given our life to all throughout the rest of the week. So we make it very practical. We pray together. And if you have an unsaved loved one or family member, the best thing you could do is pray with that person and let, them, let it stir up faith in their life. And don't act like it's perfect at the Burke family. You would laugh so hard if you saw our prayer times. Those kids are throwing stuff at each other. They get all got ADD. They're all moving around. But I eventually believe it. I'm going to sow enough seeds and enough seeds and enough seeds. One day it's going to click and they're going to follow the Lord all the rest of their life because they've seen a model in their parents. Here's the next one. Ready? Our family, our family puts God first in both our finances and in our time. It's very important. Let me just tell you, we have established this in our home. Our kids know we give to God first. We honor God with our tithe. Hey kids, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna limit the amount of gifts this year because guess what? We give to legacy. We, we honor God. Listen, it's, it's not a burden for us, it's a blessing. We're gonna bless that missionary. We're gonna find ways to help the poor in our community. We're gonna do it. God comes first in our finances. And I'm telling you, my parents, Again, not perfect, lots of issues. But I'll never forget sitting next to them in church all the time. And my mom would flip out that checkbook. You remember the days of checkbooks? <laughs> Boom. She'd write that tithe check. And I remember sitting there looking at that tithe check thinking, I'm like, she told me I couldn't have $15 this week. That's a lot more than $15. In our church, we had to take the check and walk it down to the front. Y'all don't know anything about that. Walk it down to the front, put it on the altar right there. I'm always the one walking it down, hands all shaking, like, oh man, I wish I could spend this money. No, that, it goes to God first. We, they set the tone. No, God's first with our time. God's first with our time. You're gonna see us doing our devotions every morning. And by the way, we're going to church every single Sunday. By the way, parents, let me just say this. Here's a statement you live by. Church is never optional for kids. Never an optional. So you go, well, they don't wanna attend. You drag them there. Until they're 18 years old, you drag them to church. You never know the moment that the Holy Spirit's gonna get hold of them in that service and get it totally changed their life forever. You may, I, I tell you, when I was growing up, it was Sunday morning, it was Sunday night, it was Wednesday night, it was Friday night revival, it was Saturday morning serving. We, we just, my parents every time dragging us there, why do we have to go to that church every time? Until one day it clipped and all four of us are now following the Lord, why? Because they got us in the house of God. Get it, make it a point to be in church every single week. Last one is simply this, is our family's on mission. We're on mission. In other words, we're doing stuff together. We're changing the world together. We're, we're, we're serving together. I've loved it. I, I started it when my daughter turned eight, Lily. 
my oldest, so about a year ago, I started, I said, when you turn eight, you can start serving with me every other week at the church. And it's totally changed her perspective of church. Because before it was dad and mom are going to church, we do our thing and we go into the class, but it's their church. Now she serves every other week. And now it's, when do I get to serve at my church? I'm part of the dream team. I remember we gave out dream team shirts sometime in the last year. And she said, where's my dream team shirt? I'm sorry, you get one. We'll get you one too. Why? Why? Because we're on mission together. We're changing the world together. Listen, listen, this is, we're an assignment together. This isn't us. Listen, I'm more interested in her going to Harvard than her, and her not going to Harvard. I don't know if she'll go to Harvard. There's a good chance my kids are never going to Harvard, but. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> They're at North Tampa this morning. So if you're watching this in North Tampa, I love you guys. But um, we're way more interested in our kids sometimes going to Harvard than going to heaven. That's what I was trying to get at. It would have, it would have nailed it. <laughs> I kind of close with this last sentence, last statement that I think is so, 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 so sad. Um, there's a story in the Bible about a guy by the name of Mephibosheth. Okay, now you're going to learn this name. This is another B-lister, but I, don't, I, I was going to preach the whole message on Mephibosheth. But y'all would fumble over the name the entire time. <laughs> So let's say it together at every location. Mephibosheth. It's loud at every location. Mephibosheth. Now, Brandon, some of their kids are named that, so they get this. That's funny. Mephibosheth, okay? Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. So Jonathan and David were best friends. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Y'all know who he is in the Bible, okay? So Jonathan has a son. His son's name is Mephibosheth. We hear a story of what happened to him, and I want you to get this, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 4. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son. This is who we're talking about. Who was lame in both feet. Now, why was he lame? He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. So his nurse picked him up and fled but as she hurried to leave, he fell and he became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. All right. Five years old. His dad is at war. His granddad is at war. Mephibosheth is with a nurse. The nurse is responsible for caring for this boy. There's a time of tragedy and trial. She picks him up. She has an assignment to bring him to where he needs to go. While she's running, she trips. The boy falls, and he's crippled for life. Here's the word from God for some parents. You've been given an assignment to carry these kids. For the next 18 years, some of y'all. Some of y'all, it's five years left, two years left, ten years left. Here's the word that I think God wants to give you. Don't fumble your assignment. Don't fumble this one assignment. Parents, listen to me. It's more important than your job, more important than your social media profile, more important than anything you do, is that during a very tumultuous, crazy time, you're carrying that child and you have a responsibility to get it to a place. Don't fumble your responsibility because it'll impact that child. Now we're gonna pray and we're gonna pray for the parents and the, 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 the spouses and the, the children in our room. 
that have the responsibility to say, you know what, I have that friend or that coworker or that person that is far from God. We're gonna pray together and we're gonna believe God that he would give you a grace to carry that responsibility, to see that person come to, know faith, come to faith. But I wanna give you the end of Mephibosheth's life because years later, David becomes king. And David becomes king and says, I need to do something to honor Saul. Find somebody from Saul's lineage that I can show grace to and help to and love to. And they said, the only person still alive is this crippled boy named Mephibosheth. And they brought Mephibosheth in. And he then spent his life blessing this child. David is a picture of Christ. And I want some parents in here to know that you might have fumbled that time that you had with that kid and you tried your hardest. I'm believing that right now that our, our, our David, our, our, our Jesus is still in the business of rescuing Mephibosheths who have been crippled and fumbled by parenting and by struggles and he will bring them back and he will restore all that the enemy has stolen over their life. We're gonna believe it, we're gonna trust it, we're gonna agree together for it. Your Mephibosheth is coming back to faith. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna ask everybody just to have a seat at every location because I feel like this is such a holy moment. You're in here today and you go, Aaron, I just, I need a grace for faith right now for some, somebody in my family, some person, some kids, some grandkids, some spouse, some coworker, whoever it is, you need faith for your family. If that's you right here, just slip up a hand to heaven right now. Come on, don't be ashamed. This is all of us. This is most of us in this room. Come on, right there at St. Pete, throw that hand up to heaven right now. Man, there's no pain like the pain of a friend or family member. It's far from God. Can we agree together as the family of God? Some of y'all are sitting next to your spouse or sitting next to your, your friend. Maybe you wanna put a hand right on their shoulder. You know even who's on their heart. Can we just take a moment and turn this into a house of prayer and say, God, would you help us, Lord, to be Lois's, to be people of sincere faith, Lord, to be able to pass faith down from generation to generation. Lord, we take on the responsibility of being a Lois, of being a Eunice, of being a men and women that'll bring faith into every situation we're in. Lord, we pray and we intercede right now for our lost children, our lost loved ones, our lost spouse, our lost parents. God, bring them to faith. Lord, there's been so many opportunities that have been fumbled through the year, and we know that we can't control all of that, but would you raise up a David to come in and speak into their life, to bring healing and wholeness and salvation, and we call them home to you in Jesus' name we pray. Now can we give God some praise for the fact that he's working. Come on, Radiant Church. He's working. He's making it happen. He's making it happen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.